Well, we've been walking through this series entitled Wise Words, where we've been walking through the wisdom books. And for those of you maybe who are not aware of what we've been doing here, here at Thomas Road, we have been spending this year walking through, reading through all of God's Word, and we determined to do it in six months. To start back in January and going through the end of June, where we're walking through, reading through all of Scripture. And spending time digging into the truths that are found there. And so I hope you've been kind of walking along with us. We've, this past week we've been reading through the book of Isaiah. And so today that's where we're going to find ourselves. But in the midst of this series called Wise Words, while Isaiah is not technically in the wisdom literature section, if you will, of Scripture... It, it certainly has a lot of wise words that we can grab a hold of. And today, I think what it does is it builds upon some wise words that we found back in the book of Proverbs. Now, you know the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon. When Solomon was asked by God, hey, what can I give you? Like, can you imagine what that must have been like when God shows up one day and just says, hey, listen, I'm going to give you whatever you want. Uh, and so I just want to like, what is it that you desire? Because I'm going to give that to you. Can you imagine like having that opportunity? Like, what would you do in that moment? What would you ask for? I mean, if we went around the room, we probably would come up with a lot of different answers. If we went around and asked the kids, we'd probably come up with a lot of different answers. It probably wouldn't be very spiritual at all. And probably some of you adults, if you were honest, it might not be a spiritual either. But regardless, when Solomon was asked that question, what he asked for was wisdom. And it says that God granted to him that wisdom, and not only gave him the wisdom, but gave to him so much more. And so he was the wisest man, according to God's word, that has ever lived that ever had lived and ever will live, that means he's wiser than you and me. So just accept it, deal with it, he's wiser than us. And here's what Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, where we're going to start today. These words, and it's a familiar passage, you, you probably have heard this before. But Solomon wrote these words. Pride comes before destruction, and an arrogant spirit before a fall. Now, we know this passage. We've heard it many, many times. We, we've used it. We've read it. We've, we've, we've repeated it. We've used it against people that we don't like very much. Let's be honest, right? Now, we usually truncate it. We usually say, you know, pride comes before the fall. And so that's what we usually do, and we, we hear that statement. And so today what we're going to talk about is the dangers of pride. Because I think everybody in this room and every person watching by television, everyone listening to this sermon today... Clearly, every single one of us battle this thing called pride. And if you're sitting there today and you're saying, I don't battle pride at all, in essence, that kind of actually is a little bit of pride. Because what you're saying is like, I'm so humble, there's no way I could ever be proud. And that is pride. And so we all battle this thing called pride. And we got to figure out how we can like, make sure that we navigate it, make sure that we figure out how to deal with it. Because I point back to the passage that we just read a moment ago, pride comes before what? Oh, come on, people. We just read it. It's not the fault. Pride comes before destruction, right? I mean, we just, just to put it back on the screen real quick. Just to, there we go. Pride comes before, say it out loud, destruction. destruction. There we go. And so if that's true, which by the way that it is, it was written by the wisest man that has ever lived. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. So you probably can take it to the bank. When you don't get a grip on pride, you will be destroyed. Now, when you say it like that, it kind of has some deep meaning, doesn't it? Like, number one, we all battle it. Number two, we're all going to have to figure out how to deal with it. Number three, if we don't, God's Word says that you will be destroyed. And I don't know about you, but I really don't have a desire 
to face destruction in my life. And I pray that you don't have a desire to face destruction in your life. And obviously, you know, if we ask ourselves the question, like none of us would say, hey, listen, man, all I've ever wanted to be is this big, massive mess of twisted metal destruction. That's all I've ever wanted to be. I want my life to be this just awful. That's what I want. No one's ever said that, right? We all have this great idea of what we want our lives to look like. Pride will never get us there. And so as we go to Isaiah chapter 14 today, uh, when we recognize what Solomon said about pride leads to destruction and comes before destruction, then what we understand then is, okay, so then what according to God's word must we do to recognize the dangers of pride and how to make sure that we like win that battle? And so today that's what we're going to talk about. So I want to turn to Isaiah chapter 14, and I want to read a passage. And this passage is kind of a little bit of an in dispute, I guess you will, between some theologians over history. Some believe this passage is a reference to the fall of Lucifer, of Satan, from heaven. It talks about how the, the fact that he fell because of pride from heaven when he served, when he was one of the angels. And, and, and Jesus even talked about that in Luke chapter 10. The book of Revelation talks about that. The book of, of Ezekiel talks about you know, all the things about what Lucifer had when he was in heaven. And so some would say that this passage talks about that. In fact, if you've got a King James Version or a new King James Version in, in your Bible, it probably even has a header there, a heading there that says the fall of Lucifer. Now others would say in the newer translations, the NIV and the New Living Translation and, and other more recent uh, versions, the Christian Standard Bible, that, that talk about how this is referencing the king of Babylon. Like a, a, an unnamed, unknown king of Babylon who was facing, you know, the, the issue of the battle, the demon of pride. And, and so regardless of what it looks like, the, the story's the same. Regardless of like what the, the right kind of navigation, you know, theology period here is, regardless of, the same thing is true regardless of who you're talking about. And just know this, it would be true of Lucifer, it would be true of the king of Babylon, but let's personalize it. It's true of you and me. So let's read from Isaiah chapter 14 and read about the dangers of pride. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12 and following. Shining morning star. How you have fallen from the heavens. You destroyer of nations, you have been cut down to the ground. You said to yourself, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the gods assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will my, make myself like the most high. But you will be brought down to Sheol into the deepest regions of the pit. Now you can see this is a narrative talking about how uh, someone's desire was to be really elevated, to be celebrated. Like they wanted to be somebody. When you read this passage, it talks about how somebody really wanted to accomplish a lot. He wanted to be someone that everyone looked up to. He wanted to be someone that, that was talked about, that was read about. He wanted to be on the cover of Time magazine. He wanted to be on the front page of the CNN website. He wanted to be, have the most followers on Twitter. He wanted to be like the Facebook you know, star. He wanted all of those things. He wanted to be the person that everyone followed. And he made that statement, I'm going to do this, and I will do that, and I will be this kind of person. And so as it walks through that narrative, it paints the picture of somebody who was battling pride because they truly wanted to be someone like a God. And so from that, from that statement, from that picture, from that narrative that we just read in Isaiah chapter 14, let's kind of walk through, if we could, like some of the dangers of pride so that we can recognize them in our own journey. 
And so the first thing that we see from this passage is this, and that in the midst of our great successes, peace, uh, I'm sorry, pride seeks to, to, to kind of get a piece out of our lives, to, to start destroying, to start chipping away. And so from our successes, pride seeks to stop us. Go back to this passage of verse 12. Shining morning star, how you've fallen from the heavens. So there's the picture of what has happened. But then read that next statement, those next four words. You, destroyer of nations. Now again, if this passage is written about and talking about the king of Babylon, an unnamed, unknown king of Babylon, when the phrase is given there, you destroyer of nations, what can we kind of read into that passage or kind of take away from that statement, that description of who this passage is written to? And the picture we can grab is just simply this. This is a guy who actually was like winning the game. This is a guy who was doing some big stuff. Because if you were a king and you were destroying nations, guess what you're doing? You're expanding your kingdom. Like, right? You're you're winning the battles. People are not winning against you. You're the one that is expanding your borders. You're gaining more land. You're you're gaining more subjects. You're you're winning the victories. You know, the battles are yours. and, And you walk into the situations. And so, very clearly, the picture is this. Like, hey, you are a destroyer of nations. And to any king... When that statement was made of them, they took that as a compliment. And so what we see here is this this narrative, this picture of the danger of pride. It begins in the midst of our success. And that's true of everybody gathered in this room. It's true of those of you who are watching right now, that every success that you get in life, every time that you gain a little ground, Every time that you win a little battle, every time that you get a promotion, every time that you make a little extra money, every time that you, you know, are kind of elevated above someone else, here's what happens. Those successes begin doing a work on you. And you think, well, wait a minute, now I can handle that. I can handle success. It's not a problem. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that Satan knows that pride is one of his greatest weapons against us. Satan knows that he can use this thing called pride that we all deal with, that we all struggle with, that we all battle because we all want to be liked and we all want to be celebrated and we all want to be elevated. Satan knows that he can use that pride against us. He can use that as a weapon against each and every one of us. So in the midst of our successes, when things are going well, when we are gaining ground in our life, when we're being, you know, incrementally elevating and moving up and we're, you know, we're getting the promotions, we're getting the jobs, we're getting the houses, we're getting the cars, we're, we're getting all the things and we get way up here into rarefied air in life. Here's what Satan does. He begins to use all of those things against us. He begins to use every single one of those successes as a weapon, as a, as a weapon in his, in his toolkit to, to really kind of stick it to us, to make sure that we begin to see the, 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 the dangers of, of all of those kinds of things. Because when pride enters in, guarantee it, like mark it down, write it down. When pride begins to walk in, we fly back to Proverbs 16, pride comes before destruction. And so in our own journeys, when we recognize that, you know, that the reason for Satan's fall, even from heaven, scriptures lay that out. Ezekiel chapter 28 talks about it. You know what what caused the fall of Satan and Lucifer from heaven? Here's what it was. It was beauty. It was anointing. It was success. He was doing great things. He was elevated. I mean, he had a lot of power, but then he sought 
because of pride to not figure out how to serve God. He wanted to be like God. And all of us battle that. And so just remember, like like when life goes on and you're beginning to get some successes and get some wins, just make sure you understand with every win, with every battle that you win, with every victory that you experience, with, with every extra dollar that you make, just know this, that on your back, the bullseye's getting bigger because Satan knows that that's a weapon he can come after you with. It's the pride of success that takes us down. And so we see this. We understand that, that in our successes, the pride seeks to stop us. But we also recognize from this passage that pride makes us believe, start to believe things that really aren't true. It, it makes us believe things that aren't so. Look at what it says in verse 13 and 14. You said to yourself, again, this is a picture talking to the king of Babylon or talking to Lucifer, whatever it is, talking to us. You said to yourself, you kind of thought this through your mind, I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I'll sit on the mount of the God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will ascend above the highest clouds. In other words, our elevated sense of self began to make us believe things that are not so. In that statement, you kept hearing those words, I will, I will, I will. Does that kind of sound like something that maybe is familiar in your own journey? Like, man, I can do this. Man, look what I was able to accomplish. Hey, I did this. You hear it out of Washington all the time, right? Whenever you hear like press conferences out of Washington, politicians are getting up and talking about all the great things that they've done. Rarely do you hear politicians get up and say, hey, listen, the, the group over there, they, they did some great stuff. Now what you hear is that I was able to do this and I was able to do that and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I believe it's all about I. Everything is about self. Everything is about me. Everything is making sure that everybody looks at me and sees how awesome that I really am. And what happens is, is those things that we begin to believe about ourselves that are, are not so or not true, man, our head gets bigger and bigger and bigger because we're buying into the lie of pride. Satan is using that, his weapon, to begin to destroy us. Because remember, Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride comes before what? destruction. And so we begin to believe things that aren't true. And all of our successes and all the things that we're able to accomplish, here's what we do. We begin believing that we are the ones that made it happen. That we're the ones that pulled it off. Like that because of where we are today, I got me here. I accomplished this. I'm going to do that. One day I'm going to be this. And you see that narrative, that picture that is painted is all about, you begin to believe that you can do like all things, not through Christ who strengthens you. You just, I can believe, I can do all things because of how awesome I am. And we see it all the time in our culture. And we forget what James chapter one tells us. What does James chapter one tell us? It says this in verse seven, all good things, every good thing comes from above. You see, when you lose sight of the fact that everything that you have and everything that you've done and everything that you've accomplished is nothing more than an amazing blessing of an awesome God who loves you so very much, when you forget and lose sight of what God has done in and through you, when you begin to believe that you're the one that can pull it off and you're the one that can accomplish it, here's what happens. Pride enters in, and when pride enters in, oh man, you're headed for a destructive fall. 
You're heading for a picture, you're heading for a, a, this, a, a massive car wreck in your own journey, in your own life. Why? Because pride always destroys. So pride makes us begin to believe things that are not true. And then what happens through that, because of our successes, and we allow pride to start entering in, and, and then when pride begins to start chipping away at our, at our structure, at our, at our safety, at our protection, our, the veneer that we put around ourselves, when that begins to happen, when we begin to believe things about ourselves that are not true, then what naturally comes next is just simply this, is that pride makes us replace God with self. That we replace the presence of God in our lives and the power of God in our lives with our own power and our own presence because, again, it's all about me. Look what it says in this passage, verse 14, the second part of that verse. The statement being made, I will make myself like the most high. In other words, I will make myself like God. And man, have we seen that in our culture. Man, have we seen that so prevalent in, in, in society today where it's just everywhere. Like everybody's like, man, look how awesome I, is. I am. And, and man, I've created this, this thing about me where, man, I'm, I'm a god. You know, nothing can happen to me. And what happens is this idea that because of that, we begin on this journey that we think that, that this journey is going to lead us and it's going to keep on going higher and higher and higher. And we're going to have this meteoric rise that will never stop. We begin to believe that we cannot be stopped and we make ourselves like the most high. We make ourselves like God himself. That's the reason Lucifer fell. That's the reason when you look in Scripture, so many leaders that are found, uh, kings and, and leaders in the Scriptures that, that found destruction is because they always believed that there was no stopping them. Because our pride makes us believe that we're heading to places that we're not actually going. Our pride makes us believe that, that we're being taken on a ride of, of a place that we can never actually get there to. And listen to what it says in, in verse 15. All the statements, the I will statements, all the great things you're going to accomplish. But, it says, verse 15, you will be brought down to Sheol into the deepest regions of the pit. You will be brought down to Sheol to the very deepest regions of the pit. In other words, it's not like you're not just going to be like destruct, you know, destruction's going to come, the fall's going to come, and you're going to be put down way down here. I mean, it's like you're going to be put way down here, oh, and then keep on going a little further. And, you know, keep going down that dark, dark tunnel. You know, go down and take a right to it's even darker and to, to the farthest place. The picture that is portrayed here is that because of your pride that you're going to be removed from God and removed from the presence of God to the very farthest regions, as far as you can possibly go from God, that's where you're going to be. Why? Because that's what pride does. Proverbs chapter 16, when it says pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit, a haughty spirit comes before the fall, that's the picture. Pride takes us higher and higher and higher, and man, we think we've got it, you know, we've got it under control, and man, we're awesome, we're amazing, look what we've been able to accomplish, look at what we've been able to do, man, look at what I've done. And then the, the narrative is, is the picture, according to God's word, is just this, but... While you think you might be your own God, while you think you might be able to replace God with your own self, you will be taken down to the deepest of pits. Let's be honest. How many times have you seen that happen in our culture? I mean, we see it celebrities all the time. 
Charles talked about it last week. Man, these people that have accomplished everything according to the world's standards. All the money you could possibly imagine, all the fame, all the power. Man, they just had everything in their hands. Man, it was like all theirs. But yet, man, it was never enough. And they just kept going and going. They just thought they're going to keep on climbing. And because they had this false sense of their own worth, of their value, of who they are, that it's like all of what I've done always leads to destruction and always leads to the fall. And you would think we would like figure that out by now. I'm like, come on, this is not like, I'm not giving you new information here. Remember a little while ago when I read the first part of Proverbs chapter 16? I said, we've all heard this before. Pride comes, and you know, yeah, pride comes before the fall. You all have heard that a thousand times. Here's the problem. Why don't we ever get it? Like, why don't we ever really actually understand it? Do you believe this is God's word? Nod your head if you believe this is God's word. So we believe this is God's word. And God's word said, pride comes before destruction. A haughty spirit, an arrogant spirit comes before the fall. Why can't we figure that out? So, so let's go back into the Bible, into God's word here, and let's figure out, okay, so how can we battle through? How, how can we like, do the right things according to God's word to have the right attitude to defeat pride? And so what we got to do is just simply go back a couple of chapters in the book of Isaiah, because when the picture is painted of like what pride does and, and the destruction that pride brings, you go back two chapters and we see the antidote, we see the, 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 the solution, the fix. Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 and following. On that day, you will say, and I want you to hear these words. The word I is used here a lot, but it's in a different tense, a different statement. On that day, you will say, I will give thanks to you, Lord. Although you were angry with me because of my sin, because I've messed up, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Indeed, God is my salvation and I will trust him and not be afraid. For the Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. You, God, will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. And on that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, proclaim his name, make his works known among the people, declare that his name is exalted. Do you see the different kind of narrative here than what we read in Isaiah chapter 14? In Isaiah chapter 14, it's like, I'm going to be this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to be like the Most High, and I'm going to sit on the highest of mountains, and I'm going to have all the power, and I'm going to have all the fame, and I'm going to have all the money, and I want this, and I want that. I, 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 here it's I, I give my praise to God. Exalt His name. You see the picture? The picture is this, is this person recognizes that his worth and his value is never found in the stuff that you have or the things that you've done or the power you've accomplished, achieved. Your worth and your value is found in who God is. I will exalt him. I will give praise to him. I will give him my thanks. If you keep reading Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 25, verse one, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and I will praise your name for you have accomplished wonders. Verse nine, on that day it will be said, look, this is our God, we have waited for him, and he has saved us. This is the Lord, we have waited for him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. You see the narrative, the different, the change, the picture there that's given? It's not like, look what I've done. It's like, hey, let's celebrate what he's done. It's not what I've accomplished. Look what God accomplished.
It's not what I have gained. It's what God allows me to experience through the gift of his son. So how do we battle this thing called pride? How do we get victory over this thing called pride? Just a couple of quick things. Number one, man, be grateful. Be grateful for the things that God continues to do in your life. Everyone in this room, I don't care who you are, how young you are, how old you are, every one of you have specific, incredible things to be grateful for of what God has done. Number two, deflect praise. Don't look for praise. Don't crave praise. Don't crave people thinking how awesome you are. Like, forget that stuff. Deflect it. And how do you deflect it? Well, the third thing is you honor others, not self. Like, man, you don't celebrate what you've done. Man, you celebrate what other people have done. Man, you you lift others up, and you talk about how great other people are. You deflect that praise. You honor others. And then what happens is, is we do that by focusing on the Word of God, because it's the only hope we've got. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's awesome. But let me just say this very clearly. Satan is more powerful than you. He's not more powerful than God. But he can take us down. And he knows how to do it. And pride is one of his greatest weapons. So man, just quit believing how great you are. Quit believing that you're awesome. Quit believing that you can do it all by yourself and put your trust and your faith, your dependence completely on the word of God, on the hope that is found in the word of God, on the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, and recognize that without him, we are absolutely nothing. And when you do that, here's what you'll have done. You will have gotten victory over pride. Because remember, pride comes before what? Destruction. You want to make sure you live your life without being destroyed? Get rid of pride and focus on Him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your wisdom and your guidance. Thank you for, Lord, in in all of the, the challenges that we face in this thing called life, which we do. We all battle pride. We all battle those those natural human inclinations to be celebrated, to be liked, to be wanted, to be desired. God, I, I pray that in the midst of that. Lord, that you would help us to see and understand that that everything that we have and everything that we are and everything that we do is because of you. And God, in that, we give you the praise, we give you the glory. With our heads bowed, in a moment, we're going to stand together, we're going to sing, and when we do, our team is going to be gathered here, our pastors, our counselors, and, and maybe, listen, let's be honest, maybe you've been battling pride. We all do. Don't be embarrassed. We all do. Maybe you've been battling it and you try to figure out, like, like, how do I get through this stuff? Maybe today God has spoken to you to tell you, hey, listen, that pride that you kind of battle with and you're not getting victory, it's going to destroy you. And so maybe today what you need to do is you need to come down to this altar. Just kneel here and just say, God, I'm sorry. Because listen, pride is sin. You get that? Pride is not just a bad thing. It's sin. And so maybe you need to come and just confess that sin today. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I want to make it about you, not me. Maybe you want to come and you want to talk to one of our team here and that passage that we just read that God is our salvation. Man, it's, <laughs> the words are true. God loves you so much. He gave his son Jesus who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. He's the only hope that we have. Maybe today you want to meet him. You want to come down. Hey, listen, tell me about that salvation that comes through Christ. I want to know about that. And maybe today that's what you want to talk about. Maybe you want to come and join a church or come for baptism. Maybe you want to come and, you know, just kind of as a family, just kind of rededicate yourselves to to his service and to his work. Maybe you want to come and pray for someone else. Well, whatever it is that God is like, like 
telling you in this moment, as we stand right now and as we sing together, the altar's open. And I just encourage you to step out right now. we thank you today for giving us everything that we need so we walk out of these doors today lord i pray that you would strengthen us encourage us god help us to take our eyes off of self and keep our eyes fixed on you and god i pray that you would allow us to be light and love in this community that we would reflect the love of christ in everything that we do to point people to the great hope that we have because of christ's death his burial and his resurrection by believing in jesus And God, for that, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you move, before you move, the altar remains open. Right down here is Johnny Hunton, 94 and a half years old, serving with the Gideons. And if you want to get involved in helping him and the Gideons to give God's word out, come down and talk to him. We have ushers that are posted here and over here as well. I encourage you to give, give, give to help take God's word around the world. God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of
God's love.